0: Give me some your coffee, babe. Uh. Still a little bit. Come on now. okay. Share the love.
1: So Aww. this is how everything goes with Ethan sharing. <gasps> hey,
0: everybody. Uh, Ethan and Cat here. And this is the uh, start of a new chapter with the Standing Stone podcast.
1: That's right. Uh, If you guys have been following along with our podcasting journey, you'll know that it started originally with Yawa, which stands for You Ask, We Answer. It kinda just started by us wanting to answer people's questions. Uh, We started getting those questions through our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook, and it really evolved to becoming more than that over the course of 80 episodes. And um, Yawa, I never thought was going to stick. And it did for, for very many episodes. And now we've decided to change things up a little bit.
0: Yeah, it just ended up being one of those things where it was like, ah... This is good enough to call it for now. And then it definitely did stick. And it is a big portion of what the old podcast was based around. It was you ask a question, we answer a question. And what we've come to understanding through the evolution is that there are a lot of things that people would, you know, really like to know that we already do know or um, have some contacts with some really cool people that we can reach out and have that opportunity to compare, contrast and and spread the wealth of knowledge.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of how the end of the evolution of Yawa kind of stopped was we started having a few 20, 30 minutes of that beginning talking about a specific topic that we were interested in and then opening it up to questions. And so we said, hey, let's turn that into its own podcast. And that's where it's going with the Standing Stone podcast.
0: So for those of you that don't know um, or are finding us through one of our different platforms, we wanted to kind of take a second just to mention briefly, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we're on YouTube, Patreon, and we have an online dog training supply store called StandingStoneSupply.com. We've tried our best to maintain the Standing Stone brand and everything that we're doing across the board to make things as unified or uniform, excuse me, as possible and easy to find and and find, basically, that that's it. Kind of to keep everything flowing is one thing. So any social platform, well, not any, those are the social platforms we are on. You can find us with Standing Stone or Standing Stone Kennels.
1: Yeah, and that's where we're actually going to have a YouTube channel dedicated to the podcast because these are going to be longer format videos than our typical dog training videos that we have a channel for. Um, And then this guy, the guy with the pink gun, he does have his own YouTube channel as well. It's been a Um, little
0: lacky lately just because of uh, lack of time to commit, but we should have some really cool stuff opening up this year that's going to make that easier to get back on.
1: Yep, and that's the guy with the pink guns channel. So you can check out all these places. It has a variety of information, um, whether it's dog related, hunting related, pigeon related, um, and life related, because this is what we live and breathe, guys Um, dogs and hunting and training and um, business. So um, today we want to share with you a story of Standing Stone. Once upon a time,
0: All good stories start with Once Upon a Time.
1: Yeah, they've got to. And this is a great story.
0: Except for Star Wars. that started in a
1: galaxy far, far away.
0: We happen to be in this galaxy, so it doesn't apply.
1: (laughs) There you go. Uh, But we want to share with you the story of how we got started, how we got into this. I think people have asked this question a lot, and we've sporadically answered it across other platforms, um, and we wanted to... Hit on that today as the intro to the new podcast.
0: So n- neither of us in this industry, and I think that it's evolving, changing a lot from what it would have been in the past, dog trainers kind of were grandfathered in. My dad or uncle or grandpa was a dog trainer, and so I decided to do it. There's some form of family connection typically in the past. Now, uh, dog trainers of today, I think, are are drastically evolved from that point, and because of the fact that there are so many more resources available at that point in time, you had an uncle to learn from or a dad or whatever. Um, now you have a huge variety of different online sources, as well as books and seminars and all those things. You can learn to become a dog trainer from many more sources, but um, neither cat nor I grew up in dog training families.
1: Hunting families. Yes. Yes.
0: And uh, me, even more so different, I didn't grow up hunting. Well, I didn't grow up bird hunting. And the hunting that I did do was with my uncle and grandpa, and it was a a handful of times. So I really kind of took to this after high school, even, um, in my early 20s. This is kind of when we really got into
1: yeah, that's right. I snagged him and hooked him and reeled him in into all things that um, I enjoyed, which was hunting. I grew up hunting with my dad. We didn't have a dog, though. Um, so it was just me bird-dogging it. So,
0: so you went from cat the dog, <laughs> to cat, cat the th- bird dog, to cat the, the dog trainer.
1: That's right. Um, the evolution of me and we would hunt. Um, I started dove hunting. Uh, I did a little duck hunting. It wasn't my favorite because I didn't have waders that fit, and I ended up being soaked to the bone and freezing cold every time we went, so it was on my list of not enjoyable hunting experiences, Uh, but I did a lot of upland hunting, primarily pheasants growing up in North Dakota, and really enjoyed that with my dad, and one of his good buddies, Kent Schimpke, that had a lab so there were times that we got to hunt behind Hershey and she would make some pretty awesome retrieves and give me a break from having to mark those birds run them down find them that sort of thing and I've always liked hunting met this guy and he decided he could like hunting a little bit more than he had growing up and just get involved with it more and have more opportunities I think
0: Yeah, 100%. So I remember the first time that I actually pheasant hunted ever was in Iowa. It was actually with our family. Um, We went to a PA, physician assistant. Is that what that is? So essentially a doctor without the true doctor title, right? I mean, they do a lot, but he was a family friend. I went with him and got the opportunity. I shot a pheasant the first time that I went out, just one, but shot a pheasant and Um, kind of a crazy thing. We grew up, um, muzzle with muzzle loaders. So I actually had a muzzle loading shotgun. Yes. Um, you put powder and then you would put a patch then you would put a shot cup then shot then another patch over the top of it and load the double barrel of this 12 gauge shotgun that way. And I can remember the bird got up and I was like, I think that's a pheasant, you know, like that's kind of when you're learning this aspect of things, that's the way it goes. Like, I think that's the rooster, right? You pull up and you shoot. And this big puff of smoke comes out in front of me. And I, then about the time the smoke clears, I have no idea if I've even hit it yet, right? By the time the smoke clears, I see it kind of wobble, fly, boom, and hit a tree. And then fall down through the tree into the brush. It it was hit well enough that, not dead right there, but hit well enough that it ended up dying, ran into a tree. So, kind of a, a crazy thing. But he had a dog and we spent most of the day looking for that dog now i mean it was a it was a cool experience but i went, i think this would be really cool if the dogs were better or we just left the dog at home you know what i mean cuz and when we were up and down the creek line we were driving around the section looking for this dog spent most of the day doing that so it, i knew i wanted to do it but i knew I had to have a better dog than what I got to hunt with the very first day I did it.
1: Yeah, and when I got the opportunity to hunt with our buddy's dog, it definitely made things easier. Um, she, I wouldn't say had any real formal training, um, just at-home training, had good genetics, and did her job pretty well. And it gave me a taste for what adding a dog to hunting could, could offer. Uh, it's funny that Ethan mentions the muzzle loading. With his first pheasant experience, because that's actually how we met. Muzzle loading and rendezvousing. Uh, We like to camp. We love the outdoors. So
0: most people go camping in the summer once or twice or have camped in their lifetime, right? You know, like camping. You, You put up tents, you roast marshmallows, or you sit in a camper, um, this is 100% different than that.
1: Yeah, you're staying in canvas tents and cooking over open fires in fire pits you've dug. You're playing competitions like archery competitions, shooting muzzle loaders, whether those are shotguns, rifles, pistols. Uh, There's tomahawk throwing and knife throwing competitions. There's fire starting competitions, cooking competitions. Um, There's... Almost anything you can think of. Storytelling competitions, um, we would totally win. We're great storytellers.
0: But I'm an excellent storyteller.
1: (laughs) But um, that's where we met. Both of our families, um, my parents and brother, started rendezvousing um, when I was in high school. And Ethan had been rendezvousing for a little bit longer than that with his grandparents.
0: Yeah, since a little boy, maybe 10, somewhere in that vicinity. But... Um, there are different tiers of this. If you guys are interested in looking it up, at least just doing a quick Google search about what is a rendezvous. There's different tiers. So there's like a weekend events and those are fairly lax. You have a general feel of the event, but people wear tennis shoes and jeans and whatever to, um And it's usually just a couple days long. Then they have bigger events um, that kind of more of a middle road where essentially everything that's visible in camp, on you, everything is supposed to be primitive or appear primitive being pre-time period, being pre-1840s. Now, everybody takes kind of a different approach to that, and there are some stipulations made for, let's say, somebody with uh, some form of of need or disability. You know, they need a walker. Well, they've got their walker. We kind of, you'd put some canvas or leather over to kind of like say you tried right but at the same time we want them to be able to experience that everybody does so it's making some of but if you can physically do it you need to be doing it the other would be um i would say like Black tennis shoes on small children sometimes pass things like that, or even more elderly that need the extra traction. Right, than than Been wearing a moccasin, moccasin or
1: leather-soled shoes,
0: something. So um, that's more the middle of the road where everything visible is supposed to be as close to primitive as possible. You no know, coolers out where people can see them. They cover them. All of this kind of stuff. But then there's the the highest it level, to the highest level, yeah. and everything is 100. percent percent primitive
1: like you trek it in on your back um
0: hard tack and uh you know anything bed
1: rolls there's no air mattress hidden tents um and sleeping bags hidden in tents you're packing it in
0: you literally are camping with anything you can carry on you and everything that you're carrying on you has to be primitive so tough
1: and ethan and i have both done all of those levels Um, i would say with the kids and the dogs and um things i personally prefer the middle road um where there's a few of those modern amenities available hidden in you know the tent or or under canvas out in the open but um we've done it all so we can ex- talk about the experiences of all of them but 100%. that's how we met and um it was definitely you tell people, oh, yeah, I met at a rendezvous. People would be like, what? What is that? What are you talking about? Um, and it does sound a little strange if you haven't heard of rendezvousing before. Um, but we met at a High Plains regional rendezvous, which is basically a five states gathering. And it rotates between states. And that's where we met and knew each other but didn't really... Um, Start dating or anything right away. Just hung out in a big group of young people and talked. And he was really quiet. I, I mean, you can't believe it now, but
0: oh, come on, now anybody that meets me in person knows I'm a quiet individual.
1: I know it's taken a lot to pull you out of your shell.
0: Uh-huh. Hard. I've oh. hard. Uh
1: huh. Worked hard. I worked hard, but because <laughs> I'm not quiet and I don't have a problem talking. So that's how we met, which is kind of. Where, like I said, our story starts. And because it was a meeting of different states in different areas, I was actually in North Dakota at the time, going to college. Ethan was in, at Iowa. that time, yeah. Iowa. In Iowa. And then moved to Kansas. Um, and then moved back up to North Dakota. Um, throughout that process of starting to date, and then him coming up to college uh, where I was going to school. And then... We got married pretty young um
0: yeah and shortly after we got married so this is the the whole deal i i came home from that hunting adventure i was like mom dad i want to get a bird dog i think that's pretty cool and they said yeah that's awesome as soon as you move out you can do whatever you want you know and um got up to college knew that having a bird dog um, meant responsibilities right having a dog's a responsibility but dogs are active. you got to have space. And I did not want to have a dog in an apartment. Well, we got married and we started looking and we found a house, put down a deposit. Everything was approved. We had, had the, a
1: closing date, all a, the things. Yep.
0: And then the inspection found some stuff and then the homeowner was not willing to work with us. Well, in that time period, we went, this will be perfect because we're going to get a dog and we'll literally have the dog in our apartment for a week before we move. It won't be that big of a deal, right? Um... And then It became a big deal. It became a big deal because we ended up then living in an apartment for two, another year, two years? No, just one more year.
1: Another year, yeah. Roughly. Because even back then, houses months, 10 months, 10 weren't months? easy to find um, within budgets and constraints and things like that. Our budget
0: was small. Yeah. Me, I mean, me we were say. college students, yeah. so
1: um, pretty small. And um, we ended up actually reaching out to a trainer for help with Sammy, crazy Sammy if you've heard some of our other stories about her. She um, definitely was a dog that put us through a lot of challenges cutting our teeth on our first short hair. Oh, uh, yeah. She had so much energy. Uh, now, I, and in an apartment.
0: Looking back, hindsight being 2020, 20, I think that we we struggled with her more due to our ignorance and lack of experience than we would have now. Like, if I'd gotten her now, it would have been different, but um, she still was challenging. There's no doubt about it. She was, she had a big motor and a lot of things. And um, and
1: we didn't know what we were truly doing because neither of us had owned a no. hunting breed dog before that needed training and the exercise. I mean, we had an idea. We both
0: had family pad that were basically just lazy and did kind of whatever they wanted that knew a handful of hat tricks. You know? Yeah, I
1: mean, but we knew that it was going to be work. We just didn't know what level of work or what training needed to be done. I did not realize the level of pull that a little puppy was going to have trying to take her for walks. Because I lived in the country before when we had a dog. There wasn't walks. We just let them out and run. And I had a very eye-opening experience with being drugged down the stairs to go out for potty breaks with this little puppy, down the sidewalk to go for walks. And... um, Getting Sammy to heal was like a huge challenge. Ethan wanted to send her off for training for experience.
0: Well, what what I ended hunting. up doing, yeah, what I ended up doing was getting on the internet, right, Yeah. and looking how how do you train how do you train a bird dog? Google search, and it came up with a handful of videos. Um, well, quite a few videos at that time, but still, most of them were not helpful. You know, they take and show. This is um, I found one trainer that had some videos that like just watching it, you could go, eh, that doesn't look like the best way to do this. You can tell the dog's not enjoying it. The dog's not interested in doing this. And there's not enough information here to truly show anything. Then I came across videos and they were on Willow Creek Kennels. Okay. That's in uh, Minnesota. They had videos up and I reached out to them and was like, I feel like you guys have the best out here because you actually show what's happening in a training session.
1: And keep in mind, this was 13 years ago. Um, The internet is not the same place as it was 13 years ago. YouTube has drastically changed, especially as far as like the dog training aspect of things that are actually available there now. And so finding a resource that had quality information was very difficult at the time.
0: So I reached out and said, hey, I would love to help you make your videos better. Um, because I had a little experience in that. I thought I could help with that and filming and doing all those things if you would help with that. Let's trade this out, right? You help with my bird dog. Well, um, went back and forth a handful of times, and then that involved, like, what it ended up working out was a two-week stay. That's all the longer she was there.
1: Yeah, and it was... And I
0: went down in the middle. To visit her because it was so, she was away from me for so long.
1: And I was the complete opposite dog mom because, okay, he was super excited about sending her off and getting some hunting experience and training for that side of things. I was excited to send her off and get a puppy back that had a little more obedience. And I think that both of us had higher expectations for what two weeks could accomplish um, (laughs) than what really could happen. Dude, it's
0: just unrealistic. Expectations.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We had unrealistic expectations. Two weeks is hardly enough time for a puppy to really actually settle in, show their true personality, and accomplish anything.
0: No, 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 no.
1: So she came back with a little more exposure.
0: Um, she came back. I mean, she learned some stuff, absolutely. But
1: right, then what we could have done wasn't living done. in an apartment in the nah. middle of town, and it wasn't enough. Right? She needed more.
0: Well, that kind of ended up becoming a full-time job. They said, we want to do more of these things. And that's where um, I went to work and helped with the video aspect of things and some of the other social, social media stuff and the website and updated kind of all of those things, which once it got caught up with, there was less of that. And I scooped poop and fed dogs and helped and tried to learn as much as I could.
1: And in that time frame, we actually lived apart for that because I was working and Ethan was working, and we were trying to qualify to be able to buy a home and you need work history and all of that. So yeah. I couldn't change jobs and transfer to with him without having that stable work history for the bank. And so we spent um, quite a few months apart, through that process of getting moved and transitioned um, to Minnesota from North Dakota at the time.
0: Um, After that, I worked there for a few years.
1: You worked there for about three years. And once I finally got moved um, to be with Ethan and my dog, um, I mean, the real important thing is the dog here, right? Uh, But we got to hang out and be together again. I was working um, not at the kennel at the time, but I would go out and help Ethan with training and the puppies, which was really interesting to me. Um, I liked being involved in whelping those litters, even though I wasn't working there. I just wanted to observe and watch and learn. And eventually, I mean, small businesses, it's hard. They don't have a whole bunch of Positions just to give out willy nilly to people, uh, but I was able to get a position there, helping with the puppies, learning to train as well, scooping poop, feeding dogs. Um, you you start at the bottom and work your way up, if you if you truly have an interest in learning and training. And so we both um, were there for a couple. Well, me for about a year, Ethan for about two years or three years. Excuse me.
0: And then um, had the opportunity to move closer to family. Uh, all of my family, majority of my family, is down in Kansas, and my uncle owns, um, at the time, owned a couple of grocery stores. Owns a few more now. He's done really well for himself that way, and he needed help with the stores. Said, "Hmm, this sounds like a, a interesting opportunity. The pay was definitely going to be more than what I was making. I was making reasonable, but he, you know, managing grocery stores is a lot bigger deal. And um, so we moved down to Northwest Kansas, and after moving
1: well and we were planning on you know keeping our personal bird dogs which we had a couple at the time and doing maybe a litter seeing how that went just kind of small time for ourselves stuff and working with our own dogs because we did like to hunt and we realized that we did like to hunt with nice dogs um so we were just going to kind of do it for ourselves and We didn't stay doing it for ourselves. No, we
0: got an overwhelming number of people that that reached out and said, oh, hey, you moved down here. We want you to train our dogs. I'm like, well, I'm not really set up or had planned on doing this, but um, I guess. So uh, that is what started Standing Stone.
1: And people a lot of times ask, well, how did you come up with the name Standing Stone Kennels? And
0: we had a little brainstorm session. Yep. And we sat and thought, what sounds like a cool name? That kind of ties that doesn't 100%. And then we did Google searches to see if there were any other kennels or any other businesses or any other things that uh, also had the same name that would make it confusing difficult to, to find
1: us. Yeah. Because um, even back then, we realized branding was important and being able to find people via the internet is how businesses are continuing to grow. So we're like, well, if, if we're going to do this, we want the best chance possible to make it successful. And I think that that started with having a business name that would be easy to find and not confused with any other kennels that were out there at the time. So that's how we came up with the name. Not super cool um, story behind not, it. Not a
0: glamorous story. <laughs> no, not something. a
1: super romantic idea. Um, we just started throwing name ideas out there, searching them, and this one felt like it really stuck.
0: means in am your coffee bag.
1: Huh.
0: Still a little bit. Come on now. Okay. Share the love.
1: So, oh. this is how everything goes with Ethan sharing. Oh.
0: Th- that's that's what I'm a, saying. That's not how even everything a quarter goes. of a cup that was left in there. Come on now. Okay. Side- you brought yourself a thermos. You brought me like one cup.
1: I asked you. No, I did not ask you. Did but not. I brought you a cup. Thank you. Um, Sidetrack story. We were at a training weekend, and we stopped at a steakhouse, and they had a very limited menu. It was literally (laughs) a prime rib house. There was prime rib in different sizes. Uh There was a salad, and you could choose ranch or or French French, dressing, and there was a baked potato. That was your options. That was the meal. And then they did have cheesecake for dessert. Uh-huh. Heck yeah. So we got each a meal, and we're like, let's share dessert. You
0: remember this story differently. When, when do I go out of my way to share dessert? Ever?
1: I try and share dessert so that I don't yes. need a whole dessert.
0: Yes. So you thought it would be cool to share, and I was like, mm, I'm going to order one for myself.
1: <laughs> Literally, I took one <laughs> bite of that cheesecake. And I'm talking with the other people that were at the training weekend and I go to take another bite and the thing is gone. Like literally. is
0: a big piece cheesecake too.
1: Decent sized. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. Um, shocked at how quickly that disappeared. And I was also shocked at how unreasonable he was about sharing. It wasn't like, oh, I realized she only got a bite. I'm going to leave a little bit on the plate for her to, you know, have another I guy bite. i
0: after me the same if I'd left you one bite. I mean.
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's. We can't share ice cream. We can't share anything because no. I get one bite in the amount of time it takes him to finish the rest of the things. So mm-hmm. we've learned over the last almost 14 years of marriage how to... How uh,
0: many consumer?
1: What we can share, which is pretty much nothing, um, yeah. food food-related. And I will specifically get ice creams to put in the freezer that I know he won't like because that's the only way that I... Get one later. You know, you get those pints of ice cream. Uh You put them in the freezer. I work on a pint of ice cream for a couple weeks.
0: And I throw away the lid because I'm no quitter.
1: Yeah, so I put the flavors of ice cream that will be safe. Because if there's a, you know, half-eaten pint of ice cream in there that he likes, it's gone. At least if it's one that he doesn't like with cinnamon specifically in it. I'm yeah, usually safe.
0: like Cinnabon or whatever. Yeah, it's gross. I love that. That's my yeah, favorite. It's gross.
1: Um, anyway, we digress, and that was an off-topic little segue story of interesting stuff that related to him stealing the rest of my coffee. <laughs> so I think that it's important to talk about how the evolution of Standing Stone happened. We we recognize the importance of branding right away. Uh, We wanted a social media presence. And at the time, that was pretty much Facebook. Um, Like I said, this was a solid 10 years ago now that we started our own business and we're trying to figure out how to be successful. Um, And we thought, well, social media and a good website is a solid strategy as well as communication. Um, We both strive even today, to be very quick about response time. Um, Things have gotten to the point where we get a lot of messages and we're probably not quite as quick about responding as we used to be, like literally.
0: Uh, When we started, my voicemail said, leave me a message and I'll call you back immediately. And I, I did my damnedest. If I missed a call, I mean, by the time it went badunk, I was calling you back and I don't know how I did it, but I can tell you part of it was the fact that we had drastically less communication. Like if you get five phone calls in a day, it's not the end of the world to get back to them, but you get 45 phone calls in a day. It's a lot harder to get anything else done.
1: Yes. And, um, so we were really good about getting back to people. That was back in the day when Facebook had, a this is how long an average response time is. And my goal was to be our average under three minutes. And for the longest time, it was like three minute response time. And I was.
0: Can you believe that?
1: It's crazy to think about um, how quickly we were trying to get back to people, email response times, things like that, because we were, we recognized we needed to work hard to get clients and to prove that we were going to be a good place to send dogs because we were open to communicating with people. We knew that the dogs that they were sending to us were a very important part of their families and not being able to get in touch with somebody that has your dog for days to weeks makes you feel a little anxious and a little nervous um, to make sure that everything's still okay.
0: And not to say that we're the only ones that felt this way, but I feel like there are quite a few, um, especially at that point in time, bird, dogs, specifically trainers, that were a, a one-man show and truly didn't have time. I mean, and that's what it came down to. And they just felt like uh, these all these phone calls, all this stuff's bothering me. I've got dogs here. I've got commitments. And there's only so much time in a day. And I will say that um, at this point with where we're at now, I feel that way sometimes about it. Like, I don't have the time to get back, you know, like and Especially we with we feel the two bad boys, but yep. but I do feel bad and that's always my response like I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you when I email back a day later or sometimes things get missed and it's like 2 days later and it's like I'm sorry I did not mean to do that I want you to know that we do care uh, it's the, it's the honest truth we do care about the communication we care about the person and even though at this stage as well we can't help everybody that reaches out to us you know we only have so many training spots we only have so many um so much availability, and it's 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 tough.
1: Yep, it's a double-edged sword to have people wanting their dogs trained, and then us not having availability until a certain point. And um, some people want training availability sooner, um, and unfortunately, we just can't do that because we do only take a limited number of dogs in, so that we can maintain that high level of quality and standard that we have strove to. Um, Produce and to um, make part of the brand our integrity that we say what we're going to do is what we're going to do. So it has really transitioned from um, the start of I will get back to you immediately being your voicemail. And now there are times where we do put family first a couple of times. You know, Sundays we try and not be on the phone and spend time with the boys um, trying to take phone calls when we're not distracted by things that are going on here, for sure, Um, but still trying to be really um, communicative, easy to get a hold of. Um, Having all that information available on the website has always been something that we have strove to do from the very beginning. We created a website so that people could easily find us, contact us, find out a little bit about us, see what our dogs were like, what our program was like. And that, um, even though that website has changed and, you know, evolved as well to the website that we have today and the online store even that we have today, because we didn't have that in the past. um, We still want that to be something that's easy for people to navigate, answers a lot of questions. And then when you have those additional questions that you need to reach out to us, then our phone numbers are right there. um, Our emails are there, contact form. um, We try and make ourselves really accessible to people that have questions um, and need help.
0: Well, and the overall shift of uh, growth, I think, is what drove us to start um, the YouTube channel. Now, we put some videos out a long time ago and thought that it would be a good idea. And definitely at that point in time did not have the time to do it. So... Because um,
1: we weren't a one-man show. We were a two-person show at the time. Um, so we did have at least the teamwork. But still, it's, it's a 24-7, 365 day, a job, day, day, a year. It's
0: every day. The, the thing about it, though, is the way that we care for dogs is different. Not, not different than everybody. Different than the majority, though. We do not have indoor-outdoor runs. We do not have just outside runs. We've always had indoor climate-controlled facility. Now, there are a lot of indoor climate-controlled facilities that come in and pressure wash twice a day, scoop, spray all day long, whatever it is, and we do it again different from that. We want to maintain the um, body training, cleanliness, things that you put, as well as dogs that get the opportunity to go outside to go to the bathroom, settle in faster, feel more comfortable. So, we let dogs out and have for 10 years now, um, every two to four hours throughout the day, starting at roughly six o'clock in the morning, ending 10 o'clock at night. And we did that by ourselves for a long period of time. Then we got a little bit of help that was a reprieve here and there. And now that we've moved um, from Northwest Kansas down to where we are in South Central Kansas, we've been able to maintain um, good employees that have made a huge difference in allowing us to grow.
1: Yes, we've we've put as much—I don't want to say as much time—but we put a lot of time into finding and developing our team um, of trainers and helpers at the kennel that care about the dogs like we do. Trust them to show up for shifts and be there to care for the dogs because they are live animals. They are people's family members, and they need that level of care all day, every day. Especially with, like Ethan said, the way that we have our kennel set up. Um, it's a little more labor intensive than just um, indoor outdoor runs or pressure washing, you know, a couple times a day to, to clean up the mess. So,
0: but we still wanted to be able to help people. Uh, we remember where we were at and how lost we were when we started, and wanted to provide something that's readily available for folks to be able to do what we couldn't at that point in time, which is have all of the steps uh, to be able to train their dog, but to do it in the form of a essentially real training session most of the the videos and um actual dvds or vhs tapes some of them vhs tapes that were converted to dvds for some of the original videos that i watched and um, all of those essentially show a finished dog demoing what you're trying to show them or have already a good understanding so it's not true learning at that point that you're watching, you're watching demo. And demo doesn't teach you what to do when your dog doesn't look like the demo dog. So we've tried to show in more depth what the actual teaching and learning process looks like between us and the dog.
1: Yeah, because like Ethan said, we recognized there was a need for that at the very beginning. Uh, I wish, I wish that we had had a way to continue creating that content from the very beginning. Um, one of the first, video series that we put out was our original Trained Retrieve series from 10 years ago. Um, Go
0: back, check it out. My mutton looks chops. like such a baby. Oh, yeah. Long and, hair, mutton chops. It's ridiculous.
1: And it's so funny because we just recently redid that training series because <clears throat> training techniques change and evolve a little bit over time. Um, we want to create some new content for people. and. Yeah.
0: For, for whatever reason, for whatever I was in some reason. stupid mustache phase, so I've got a different mustache in almost every other video of somewhere between like a, a... Fu
1: Manchu. A, yeah, all and, kinds
0: of stuff. Get a kick out of it, y'all.
1: And it's so funny because then we've got two Trained Retrieve series out there now that you just have ridiculous facial hair in both of them, so... All
0: right, Try and contain yourself, ladies. In the ladies. next
1: 10 years, we'll put another one out, and who knows what what shenanigans will be in that one, but... I wish that there had been a way. Don't
0: have any hair left.
1: Probably, it's it's not going to take ten years for that to happen. Sorry, (laughs) thanks,
0: sweetheart. Yep. Um, And then from the videos themselves came more questions. It uh, you know almost snowballed slash grew the the information monster, and we wanted to find a way to continue to answer people's questions without you know, having to answer everybody's question all the time because we're running out of time to do that. Facebook, Instagram, emails, all of those messages coming in gets to be where that's about all we can get done in the day is just responding to the the media stuff. And we don't want to be the people that don't respond. You know, that's what we've kind of built off of. So we started uh, the podcast, which was supposed to originally just be a short video where we pulled a handful of questions well, then we got through and it was like, well, this is a good one. This was a good, this is good. And then all of a sudden it's, it's an, an hour, hour long, long video. Like, well, maybe we can do this live. People can interact with us. And then maybe, just maybe, people will kind of like, that don't want to send their dogs or don't want to work whatever, will we'll gravitate toward, hey, I've got an opportunity once a week or whatever it is to to ask questions and that might slow it down as well. It did not.
1: No, it just, it like Ethan said, it fed that information monster. People recognized that there was a source for information and they kept wanting more. And I um, would
0: like my question specifically answered about my dog Zeke.
1: Yep, exactly. And so it it just drove that machine to produce more. So we were on a huge um content creating what do you want to call it? Roller coaster. Roller coaster. We We pushed out a video a day for a while. Yeah, um, it was silly. And it was was unmaintainable. Um, Unsustainable. Unsustainable. Uh, It allowed us to really create a very solid um, library of YouTube videos, though, which I feel like the more that we talk about it, the more people recognize that it is a great resource, but will understand how it can be used even more. Um, So we have playlists on our YouTube channel. They have puppy training basics with multiple different puppies. They have multiple trained retrieves. We have playlists on nail trimming. We have playlists on healing your dog and uh, playlists on woe training, playlists on advanced steadiness. So you can watch just videos about that specific playlist if you click on the playlist. And then from there, once you've clicked on the playlist, you can watch them in order of how that puppy was trained because otherwise YouTube, when you start watching a video, it likes to throw up another suggested video, whether that's one of ours or something on another channel. And it may not go in order. It's just picking something based on YouTube only knows algorithms. And so you get lost down that rabbit hole of content and videos, and then you don't know where you're going and it, it ends You'll up you hear having- that all the
0: time. Right. How, how do I find the next video? These videos don't seem like they're in order. Well, they well, are. The playlists put them in order. But <laughs> yeah. if you're just
1: watching a random video on YouTube of ours, it's going to suggest another video that may not go in the right order. It may not even be related to the same thing. So it can get easy to get lost. And then if you have a specific question or a specific problem that you're dealing with or just something you want to work on with your dog... YouTube is actually a search engine, so if you search yeah, standing stone understand this, kennels, helps. sorry, collar conditioning, standing stone kennels clicker training, standing stone kennels place training, it's gonna populate search results of videos that have those keywords, those phrases, and we do our best when we're writing those descriptions, when we're titling those videos, when we're adding tags, to put things that we feel people are going to be searching for. That's going to produce this video in the search results so that they can get help with the questions that they have. And then you'll get you know, that search result of 10 videos and they're most likely 10 videos of ours all about the same Very thing that we've to shot the with different dogs yeah. in different situations so, through different training. And so it gives you a lot of information that way. Um,
0: so we started on this YouTube adventure of pushing out as much content as we possibly could to hit all of the gaps, and we thought this will help people, right? We get all these questions all the time, that's where we kind of based a lot of the videos that we do create off of. Somebody emails us about this, and they're like, all right, well, that sounds like a great idea for a video. Well, then we've got the, the videos available, and then maybe it will answer people's questions without, and it'll buy us some time, right? And it it didn't, it just seemed like it grew more. more the more that we did, with now just shy of 700 videos available on YouTube. Um, The number of people that contact us and reach out to us and and don't misunderstand me here. We love it, but we can't keep up with it 100%, which moves us into the next category of what we we created. It's like, well, if this is truly going to be something that people do this often, let's provide a service, okay? Then I can, you say monetize it. I can make money by answering your questions, which allows me to allocate time in the day away from other things or slow down something else to be able to say, I am now getting paid for this. I have a huge obligation to these people and-
1: To make it a priority for them.
0: Then it's a priority. So anybody that is looking for help, we would recommend and say, hey, well, this is kind of what it sounds like you're looking for, but- if you have more questions, reach out to us here. This is where we put the priority of our, our time answering questions into.
1: And that's on Patreon. Um, we talked about it in some of our dog training videos, on our other podcasts. So that's patreon.com slash Stone kennels. Again, that cohesive brand so that people can find stuff. Um, yeah. But then it allows you to... It's another
0: social platform. It looks kind of like Facebook or kind of like Instagram or whatever. Um, but it's set up to be a subscription service. So they take care of all the billing and everything.
1: Yep, which is something that we don't have to think about then, um, but it allows people to join at the level that fits them, whether they just want to support the free content of the YouTube videos that we put out and these podcasts that we put out, um, or if they have questions and they want a question message back and forth, kind of like Facebook Messenger would be, um, or if they need additional help where they want us to review videos or set up live video phone call chat consults basically to help them train their dogs from home because we've been there where we had this wild and crazy short hair that we had no idea what we'd gotten into, what to do with it. And at that time, 13 years ago, the resources available were so limited. And I so- signed up
0: for an email list where the folks would send out a video a week and that stopped after week three. Like they just gave up on it. and <laughs> Realized it like,
1: they didn't have the time or...
0: All we figured out is to help the puppy learn its name. Uh. Eh, We need
1: more help. And so (laughs) we were there. We were on the opposite side of we needed the help. So we wanted to find a way to continue helping people from home because Not everyone is in a position to be able to send their dog off for training, whether that's to us or another trainer um, from a financial standpoint or, you know, just can't get (laughs) can't be away from the dog for that amount of time. Um, Or if they want to send them to us, if we're booked out for a certain amount of time, they can at least get a head start on some things from home. Um, and it allows people to join at the level that fits their needs and fits what they want to do. And it ties really well with the free content on YouTube that we've already created. So when people have questions, I can direct them or Ethan can direct them to specific videos that will help answer those questions for them. We can watch videos of their training sessions um, because you would be surprised. Even though we say, hey, these are in playlists. Hey, you can just search for these videos. Um, people say that they can't find a video on, well, I can't find a video on place training or I can't find a video on a water introduction. And I say, well, believe you me, I've videoed that one. I know pretty much what it's titled. I know how to find it. I know what playlist, sorry, I hit my microphone. I know what playlist that's in and I can find it very easily and send you that resource um, directly in a message. Absolutely. So that is where Patreon started and how it has kind of evolved from where it was at the beginning. And it's going to still continue to be um, a valuable resource for people that need additional help. We're trying to make things um, more... Patreon specific as well. So, giving them early access to some of our YouTube videos that will be out so they get to see those first. Doing our live yawas still, even though we're not doing those on YouTube um, for the public anymore, that's still something that we offer to our patrons so that they can get on, ask us questions. I mean, the first one that we just did with our patrons, it was, it was flooring. It was shocking how many people joined us. Had so many questions. It was almost more than our regular lives with the amount of questions that were being asked um, and the great questions yeah, it was awesome. that we could answer for people. So that's something that we're going to continue doing and offering for our patrons. We're looking at some other webina- webinar. I always say that wrong. Seminar webinars. There we go. Um, that we could offer to patrons um, only um, just to make the value for them even more.
0: Yeah, think about Patreon as a, a private club Um, For fans as well as gets you direct access to us.
1: Yeah. Um, and I would say something that gets overlooked from a resource standpoint is our newsletter. Yeah. Um, we have a monthly newsletter in case you didn't know. Newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's only not gone out um a handful of times because usually we're really good about getting it out. Um, at the a handful of of times in the
0: last like years. Years. Yeah. Yeah, Like a handful
1: of times over the last three years or so. Um, but it gives people upcoming dates and events that are going on. So you kind of get a glimpse at our calendar of some of the things that we want to include you in, uh, talks about a recap of last month, what's coming up event wise next month, exciting news, litter announcements, um, litter pictures our highlighted videos. Um, just it's, it's a great, additional resource. If you are a fan of our stuff, you want to keep up with what's going on. um, I would suggest subscribing if you haven't.
0: Definitely aren't getting spammed from us. Uh, We send out at a maximum two to three emails a month. Usually it's just one. The one to two additional emails won't be if there's like some kind of special sale or something, something happening on our online store. Um, but it's not like it's, I,
1: I scroll through my junk folder and my my inbox and I go, oh my goodness. I literally just got three emails from
0: Best Buy. Best today. Buy.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. And I'm like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. It takes like a month to get unsubscribed from all of these.
0: Yeah, and so don't don't, don't feel scared. Yeah. Don't yeah. feel scared to sign up. Um you're gonna get a maximum of probably three emails. And that's part of that's uh just time its rights, folks. So We Um, don't have time to send you out an email every single day. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: Um, And then I think that we should just give a little teaser of some of the future exciting things that we have planned for Standing Stone. I Um, dig it. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it. We have hinted at and we've promised and we've talked about and we've mentioned over and over and over and over and over and over the need for... A training program, an outline step by step training program. And we have run into roadblocks um, from a time constraint standpoint and trying to figure out the best way to have that training program flow. Because, like we say in a lot of our videos and a lot of our things, every dog is different, everyone's goals are different. So, putting out a complete training series for everyone that is step by step, check these boxes, move on to the next thing um, can get a little bit complex, um, but I think that we worked out a lot of those details, and we want to be able to release our Standing Stone School of Dog training by June 1st.
0: This summer. Coming to a uh, computer near you.
1: Yeah, because it will also combine with our already out there YouTube videos, but it's going to be in a laid out step-by-step format with instruction, um, how to know when you're ready to move on, as well as, again, it can pair nicely with Patreon. So you follow these step-by-step things and then you go, it's still not working. What am I doing wrong? And then Ethan and I could watch a video and say, it's just the timing on this one little thing. And then you're going to be golden to move on. And
0: I watched, and, and this, is the, this is the power of, um, that additional thing, which is our eyes, we provide that through Patreon right now, but, um, I watched multiple videos and I'm not calling people out specifically. Okay. This is normal. Timing is the most important thing in dog training. Um, next to that is consistency. Um, we don't do it the other way around because if you're consistently doing the wrong thing, it, it's, it's still bad, right? It's teaching the bad So timing, super, super important. I'm watching one of the drills that we do. It's a positive pigeon drill, okay? And I watch the, basically the dog stops and stands still, and then you release a pigeon as a reward, okay? So key being, the dog is stopped, they're learning whoa, and they get the reward of the bird. If you release the bird while the dog is moving, they're getting rewarded for just running around you, okay? So timing being huge here, I watched multiple videos just this morning where from different from different, different people, people. Yeah, just the timing was off. And the timing was off essentially the same way. So I was able to say, hey, your timing is off. That's why you're not seeing, like, you're questioning why you're not progressing. It's, it's this simple. You don't necessarily know that your timing is off. But we can see it instantly and help with that. Say, hey, you just got to change your timing a little bit. And then bingo, bango, it's done.
1: And honestly, we also have people that video their training sessions, send them to us, and then critique their own video and go, I made so many mistakes in this video, my timing was off.
0: Please go easy on me.
1: I know I did this, this, and this, and this wrong, and I'm like.
0: And that's huge. That's a huge part of the learning process. If you yourself can say, ah, I see what I did wrong there.
1: That means you're learning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're gonna gonna do better next time. Better all the way around. Yeah,
1: so um, we're excited about that opportunity that we're gonna be able to provide to so many more people that there is a need for this. Um, We have proven and seen that there is a need for this over years now that we just haven't had the time with little kids, um, the business, the other things that we've made a priority and now we've decided this is the next project priority that is getting our time. So I'm excited about that. we also have this new Standing Stone podcast that is um, the future of our podcasts for for the time being because everything changes, everything evolves. If you're not changing, if you're not learning. You aren't trying. There you go.
0: We um, have a pretty decent uh, backlog built up. We're trying to get stay ahead and be able to co- produce, excuse me, very consistent um, podcasts with the two of us as well as interviews with other people in the the industry or other industries that uh, apply to kind of hint at some cool stuff that's coming, um, you know, about us and our life and things that come from business ownership to parenting, to um, parenting,
1: work-life balance,
0: work-life balance, exactly. And then hunting and dogs and just all of it. I mean, any, anything that we can try and help um, there really, there's some things as well that I'm excited about learning And when we reach out to folks there, you know, it's more of a, I am not the expert in this, but I wanted to know and thought it would be something that'd be cool to share.
1: Exactly. Because again, if you're not learning, you're not trying, and we should always be trying to grow and change. Um, And speaking of change, that's something else that we've recognized. So, you know, we said we started this YouTube channel with our dog training stuff 10 years ago, and in 10 years, things change. I mean, styles change. Uh, technology changes, this, that, and the other thing changes, the way people like to get their information changes. I mean, um, most people, most people, I'm not going to say all, aren't looking for books to learn about dog training anymore, like they were in the past, or you get a few people that are are different types of learners, so they still want a a written book. Um, You get people asking for DVDs. Well, those types of things are kind of in the past, for the most part, as far as way, the ways people get their information. How many people watch uh, TikTok and watch reels for these before and afters and these really fast-paced um, do-it-yourself videos that have all these time lapses and fun quick cuts and stuff? Um, that is kind of the evolution of, of the videos of YouTube. And so we are going to try and put effort into changing our uh, one-shot wonders where you get to see it from front to end um, to make our videos a little more relevant to the times and the way people want to get their information.
0: And our challenge will be still being able to show realistic training, um, but include include more and include it slightly different. So be looking for a little bit of a change in how we, we continue to put out content that way.
1: Anything else that you want to throw out there about standing stone? I don't think so. I think we covered it. I mean, uh, if you want to know more, reach out to us on one of our social media platforms from Instagram to Facebook, those YouTube channels we talked about. Join us on Patreon if you have questions or just want to support us um, and the content that we're providing. Listen to those podcasts, anywhere podcasts can be found.
0: The biggest thing I want to say is thank you. Uh, thank you to all the fans, thank you to the, the folks that subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Um, thank you to the folks that have followed us, have reached out to us, follow us on any of the social platforms. All of all of you are what allows us to continue doing what we what we love and what we want to be able to do um, to live our dream if you will. So
1: we definitely wouldn't be where we are today without all of you as supporters, fans, followers, um, and the people that need us to help them.
0: We're uh-huh. doing our yeah, we're doing our best here on the daily to provide, uh, provide to you, give back to those that are given to us, and and do it in a way that helps an ultimate goal that we have, which is to help educate people on dog training.
1: So until next time, I'm Cat the Dog Trainer.
0: I'm the guy with the pink gun,
1: and we'll see you in the next video.